Hello, and welcome to IVM's The Venue. Uh, I'm very happy today to welcome another one of our Ally members back to the show. Uh, Jim Sanfilippo uh, is here to talk to us about all things lighting. Uh, now, Jim is the founder and CEO of Neela Inc. Uh, now, Jim brings around, I think, Jim, you tell me, what, 21 years in the industry before starting your company? Is that right? Yeah, so I, I spent over 21 years behind the camera in Hollywood, and before that, doing uh, theatrical lighting. So it's been a while. I'm not going to tell you my age, but you can pretty much guess. <laughs> so you all produce, amongst many things, though, but you know, high-quality, environmentally-friendly, solid-state lighting equipment, right? So you kind of bring what was in motion pictures and production, really bring that expertise to bear to our members, our you know, venue, you know, arenas and stadiums and, and venues like that, correct? Yeah, exactly. We we treat all of our venues as if it's a big broadcast facility. So we want to provide the best quality of light, the best color quality, best color consistency, uh, the best beam control, the best dimming control, all of those things that we do for film and television, we bring into stadiums and arenas. Excellent. So you recently wrote an article for us, uh, for our magazine, or excuse me, for a newsletter, uh, and we wanted to bring you in to talk about, you know, some things you're passionate about, some of the trends you're seeing. Uh, and, I, you know, one of the things I think is fascinating is that, you know, I'm seeing a lot of our architect members talking about natural light and bringing it into the space and how that actually affects mood. But artificial light affects mood, too, uh, it sounds like. Could you go a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, sure. So, so lighting uh, has a, a tremendous effect on the what you're doing mood-wise as far as how the color is being perceived by the human eye. And so, you know, poor lighting can cause fatigue. So, like, if you're stuck in an office where you've got bad fluorescent lighting and there's no windows, generally after a period of time, you're getting your eye fatigue because your eye is trying to fill in the gaps that's missing in the color. Your brain is a wonderful thing, right? So, um, it, it'll fill in light color where it thinks it needs to be. Hmm. Like, you know, so, um, we, we did a project for ski Dubai, uh, several years ago and they installed that facility uh, over a decade ago and they put in metal halide light cause that was the best at, at the time, but metal halide is not a full spectrum of light. So they weren't getting all the color spectrum reflecting off the snow so the snow always looked dull and gray and they always thought they needed more light you know but what they really needed was a full spectrum of light so that the snow would reflect white hmm. and as soon as we you know produced a, a prototype for them uh put it in the space they were like oh my god the snow is actually white it was the first time anyone had seen white snow inside the building because they had the right color of light bouncing off of it so you know, everything from, you know, fatigue to not getting the sense of the proper place that you're in uh, can really affect, you know, mood. I mean, so it's, it, there was a study done about in the, in the late sixties where they couldn't figure out why prisoners were being so aggressive after being arrested and they did a color study and they found out it was the color of the walls inside the prison that were changing the, the mood of the, of the, uh, the, the 
the allegedly uh, the criminals, right? So, so they they did this set of experiments where they would take weightlifters and they would put them in a room with dark blue walls, very moody lighting, very harsh lighting, and these weightlifters could lift more weight. Hmm. They'd put them in another room with natural daylight, pink walls, you know, very subdued colors. And these, the same guys on the same day could not lift the same amount of weight. And so the, the, what the study basically showed was they could start to control the mood of the prisoners just by the, the color of the, the surroundings. And this is when uh, police uniforms started uh, to change into to tans and browns, which were muted colors compared to uh, the sharp dark blues. Hmm. And, and so they were doing this to, you know, in an, in an effort to affect the mood of the, of the, the people they were dealing with. And this, this goes to, you know, it, it can be studied on many different levels, but essentially what we're talking about is, you know, from the stadium and arena standpoint is how the color and frequency of the light and, and direction of the light can affect the, the play and it can affect the audience. So, um, you know, you, you go into depth on how these things, you know, can, can play out. But essentially, uh, if you're standing on the, the field of play and your brain is trying to work harder to make the ball the correct color because it's not reflecting the right color of light, the brain is working harder to try to get it to the color that it thinks it should be not the actual color it is from what light is being reflected off of it. And, mm. and, and these, are, these are subtle changes uh, that happen, um, as well as, you know, biorhythms and sleep patterns and all of these things. I mean, everyone knows that it's really bad to, to stare at your phone right before you're trying to go to bed because the screen is blue and uh, Apple and, and Samsung both have filters you can put on your phone that automatically click on at certain times to, to help, you know, with your circadian rhythms, all of those things basically are, are, you know, color of light and mood as well as, you know, glare direction, all of these things have an effect. And so what it comes down to from a facility standpoint is how can we best utilize lighting to create the, the mood that you're trying to achieve for that space, right? So you're going to do a different design if it's a basketball, you know, stadium as opposed to uh, a baseball facility, right? Because of the, the way the play is happening and the type of play that's going on. Uh, basketball is generally not thought of as a high speed sport. Um, like, you know, tennis, the tennis ball can be moving at in excess of hundred miles an hour. And if you get the lighting wrong, uh, you, you can really have an effect on the play. And so, and when the play is affected, the audience is affected because that's what they're there to watch. Uh, and it can really have an extreme effect on broadcast. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of going rambling on. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot to unpack in all there for the listener, but again, good lighting design can take all of this into effect. Well, it's, it's almost as if you're curating the experience. It's almost like a guest service, a guest services type of concept that 
that the LEDs now offer so much more in variety. Like, can, yeah, tell us a little bit about you know how from the when you first started working with LEDs to now. I mean, how wh- how fast has it developed? How you know how many new generations of LED lights are there now? I mean, were you surprised as a practitioner to see how fast has it advanced since you first started using them? Well, so way back in the way back machine, back in my film and TV days, we were using red and orange LEDs in model miniatures in the you know late 80s early 90s so to see the the advent when high brightness leds came out in the late 90s that was a bit of a game changer because the efficiency jumped the major change happened when blue leds were introduced so blue leds allow for white light to happen because you take a blue led you put yellow phosphor on it and you get white light with that, you can get, you know, a full spectrum of light out of it, you know, where you've got very few gaps in the color spectrum. So you've got good color spectrum control with LED as well as the efficiency. So the first white LEDs that we started using or started playing with back in 2002 timeframe, they were about 34, 35 lumens per watt, right, which is basically a measurement of the efficiency. Nowadays, we are working with LEDs that are 150 to 180 lumens per watt. And to give you a little bit of, of scale, a very efficient fluorescent fixture, like, like top of the line efficiency of a fluorescent is about 95 lumens per watt. So once you've got over that 100 lumen per watt hurdle with LED, that's when the, the game changer happens in the marketplace because it's now more efficient to use LED than any other light source. Hmm. And so, so, and this includes metal halide, which is the, the dominant thing for stadiums and arenas. And there's a lot of disadvantages to metal halide other than color and efficiency. Uh, you've got warm up time because you've got to heat up that envelope. So you've got that 15 to 20 minute warm up where you click the lights on and they slowly get up to their, their stage. Uh, you get rid of the buzzing from the ballast, which was stepping up the, the electricity. Uh, you get rid of the maintenance because the bulbs decrease in their lifespan over time. So there's, there are so many advantages to LED um, that, that it will become the only light source in the world a decade from now. And that's like how rapidly things are, have progressed. So, I mean, I'm sure that efficiency affects the ROI that, you know, you're able to provide your clients too, right? Oh, tremendously. So we did an installation back in 2010 uh, for the U.S. House of Representatives. So the, the main chamber of the U.S. House of Representatives, we lit, uh, relit that facility in 2010. We removed uh, about 24,000-watt fixtures, and we replaced it with 24 200-watt fixtures. So... Uh, you know, an 80% gain in efficiency right off the bat. Plus, we were giving them more light, and we gave them dimming control uh, that they really didn't have before. So they gained that efficiency. The big efficiency gain in that particular space that we didn't even calculate prior to the installation was the fact that the lights actually sit within the HVAC system. So the reduced quantity of heat being generated inside the HVAC system 
meant that that ROI on that facility that runs 12 to 14 hours a day when they're in session, mm. you know, we, we thought it was going to be uh, an 18 to 24 month payback. It was 13 months. Uh, what was actually, so that, that facility has paid for itself in energy savings from the, the light output and energy savings from the air conditioning and maintenance savings because they don't have to go up there and change bulbs anymore. Those three things combined, that facility is paid for itself almost 10 times over. Well, as a, as a so, taxpayer, I thank you for that, uh, saving us some tax dollars on that. Well, it's, it's one of those things where it's, uh, they, they even have a very low cost of power in that facility. They, they only pay six to eight cents a kilowatt hour. Wow. Because, it, because it's a government entity. And where most places, so it's, it's a pretty straightforward uh, ROI equation. You look at the amount of time that you use a light, you multiply that times the, the price you're paying per power. You know, so total wattage times time times cost, and you, and you know exactly what you're paying. Right. It, it's it, it. Then you just look at the LED side of it and you go, wow, we replaced. So um, another example, the uh, the facility that's now known as uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, uh, formerly the StubHub Center uh, here in Los Angeles or the home of the LA Galaxy. Um, that stadium, when we did the transition to LED, we reduced measured reduction in electric use. 62%, but we had increased the light level on the field by 15%. Hmm. One, of the, one of the bigger things we did at that facility was change uh, the behavior. So when they run day games, which they do often, the lights aren't on at 100% because they don't need to be because right? you're competing with daylight. The, the lights are really on for the aesthetic look for broadcast, as well as making the players uh, on the field and the audience feel like, there's an actual game going on because if you just turn the lights off, everyone would wonder what's going on, uh, even though it really doesn't have any effect during a day game. So they run those lights now at 20% during the day. You know, you look up, you see the lights are on. You don't know that they're at 20% because you're, you're looking at the sun as well. So that behavior change, as well as the fact that they only use that, they only turn those lights on about once a week. So, they have roughly 50 events a year that they are running the lights on, and they generally would run the lights uh, for a, about a six-hour time frame. Right? So with that short amount of time, with the energy savings, and with the behavior changes, that facility is now paid for itself. Wow. Right? So yeah, I mean, again, I, it, yeah. it, it, it's a calculation that you just need to, to kind of work out. And, yeah, you know, we, we do the calculations for clients all the time. And then after an installation, we can validate it with real-world measurements. So the replacement rate, though, you say it's gotten better and better. I mean, is it, is it now surpassed what, you know, traditional lights have in terms of lifespan? Oh, yeah. So, so lifespan of, of an LED, we generally, you know, rate our film and broadcast lights, we, we say they're, they'll easily make 20,000 hours. We've had stuff out in the field that's done a lot longer than that. But um, if you think about it from a facility standpoint, you're really never going to get to that many hours. Um, if you use a light eight hours a day, seven days a week, 
365 days a year, it takes you seven years to get to 20,000 hours. Mm. Right. So, um, you know, when you, when you, you'll see, you know, folks out there claiming their, their LEDs are going to last a hundred, 200,000 hours. And that might be true for the LEDs. It's everything behind the LED, mainly the power supply that will not last that long. Hmm. Right. You know, so it's, it's degradation in the electronics that are, they're powering the LEDs where you get that degradation. And so we look at the weakest link in the chain and we say, okay, we guarantee that that is going to make that amount of time frame because we know that weak link is most likely not going to fail in that, you know, 20 or 50 or 60,000 hours worth of, worth of time. So we did, we designed that into the system and that goes into, you know, the sustainability aspect of what we do. If you've got to replace parts all the time, uh, that's not sustainable because you the parts themselves require energy and create waste, et cetera. So, you know, we, we know that the, the, the longer we can make a product last, the better it is overall for, for the environment. Yeah, let's talk about that. So your, your business of philosophy, you know, I, I, know, I noticed, you know, you have a buyback recycling program. Just tell us a little about, you know, your philosophy when it comes to sustainability and, and how you've incorporated it into your uh, business environment. Well, we, we try to do environmentally uh, sustainable on many levels. So energy efficiency, you know, so we try to deliver the most amount of light to the subject, you know, which, so not wasting light off into different areas um, and doing it at the least amount of power. So like our 800 watt fixture replaces a 2,500 watt fixture by, because it's delivering 95% of the light being produced is being delivered to the subject. Hmm. Right. So we've got the lumen efficiency gain. We've got the efficiency of optic gain. So all of that goes into the design of the fixture to, to, to basically create something that, that needs to use the least amount of energy to get the end result. That being said, we also try to do everything on the components on the inside to not have any you know, toxic heavy metals, so no lead, no mercury, cadmium, um, all of those things that, that, that when they get in the groundwater just create huge problems. So no toxic heavy metals, you know, super energy efficient. We're energy efficient on the, 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 the HVAC side of things because you're not adding heat load into a space. We, uh, we have the buyback recycling program primarily to, to capture those things so they don't end up in a landfill. So the reason we put it in place was so that when you're done with a product of ours, we want it back so that you can, so that we can take that, you know, the raw material of either the aluminum and recycle it, the electronics recycle it, or reuse things. I mean, we've, we've only had to do a buyback from the film and TV side, right? Hmm. Or had people, you know, so that they want to upgrade to a latest and greatest they usually send us lights back that are, are fully functional. So we take those fully functional lights and we donate them to film schools so that, you know, a, another generation can get to use, uh, you know, product. So it gets used again. When the film school is done with it, they'll send it back to us. We'll recycle it for them. Hmm. So tell us a little about, as a designer, you know, your philosophy of why did you choose Cradle to Cradle as your approach? 
Um, I don't know if you've ever heard William McDonough speak, who was the co-author of the Cradle to Cradle book. Uh, but it was I, I have had the pleasure of meeting him as well as is seeing him speak several times. And if you if you think about it, we're on this planet Earth, and when you when people say they're going to throw something away, um, it doesn't leave the planet, right? It's still here somewhere, and right. it generally causes problems, right? So it's, it causes problems creating that, that object as well as disposing of it. So the whole cradle-to-cradle philosophy is keeping everything in a closed loop. Hmm. So um, one of the great things about the, the housings that we use, so we only use aluminum uh, in our housing because aluminum is infinitely recyclable. In fact, when you recycle aluminum, uh, it gets to be a higher-grade aluminum every time you recycle it. Where with plastic, uh, you, if you recycle the plastic, you can only recycle it so many times before it degrades to a point where it can't be used again. So we minimize the amount of plastic because it, it's stuck in that same sort of loop. So when you're recycling things and keeping them in a closed loop in the cradle-to-cradle philosophy, you know, you're, you're always being able to recapture and reuse those things. So it's either being... Uh, you know, put back into the, into the earth as fertilizer or being reused in an industrial sense. Interesting. So, it, so let's it, it, it also, little, makes, yeah. it also makes financial sense. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, so it ultimately in the long run, it's cheaper. You know? There you go. So let's shift gears a little bit. So, you know, I, uh, for all your listeners, you know, there's now LEDs have become so cheap now that people are buying them for their homes. Uh, you know, in fact, I have some Wi-Fi light bulbs. They're, you know, they admit, admittedly they cost 14 bucks a pop, but now you can control the lights in your house with a simple app. I mean, do you have any, from an aesthetic point of view, do you like, you know, the LEDs in homes now? Or do you still, you know, if you were going to give any advice... You know, do you have any particular suggestions on maybe have LEDs here or still keep fluorescents in your bathrooms or, you know, is anything from that perspective that you want to, any advice you want to give? Yeah, so the, the, the short answer is there is not a light source in your home, inside or outside, that you cannot replace with the LED that's going to be better, you know, overall. So with that being said, I'll back that up with a little story. So women see color better than men. It's just an XY chromosome thing. So um, one out of every 10 men is color deficient in their vision, where it's less than one out of every 100 women. So they basically see color about 15 to 20% better than men, which is why, you know, women will look at you and go, are you really wearing that out tonight? You know, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're seeing the color more vividly than we are. And we, so, you know, with that being said, my wife is hypersensitive to color. Uh, the two bedrooms and two bathrooms in my house are kind of on one side of the house. Uh, while my wife and daughter were on vacation, I replaced every single light source in the bedrooms, bathrooms, and the hallways in between. Uh, and I was about to do the rest of the house and thought, well, I better not. I better see how my wife likes what I've done. I didn't tell either of them that I had done this. And my wife had had a reading lamp next to the bed that she likes to read with. I had changed that one out. So that's like the dominant light right over her shoulder reading at night. And she had unplugged it to do some cleaning. 
and you know went thought the bulb had burned out. She grabbed the bulb, and the bulb didn't feel like a glass bulb because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> she came to me, and she was like, "Hey, I don't like this LED. What you know?" And I said. I'll change the LED if you tell me when it was that I actually changed it. And she sat there and looked at me and she goes, you changed this a while ago, didn't you? I said, yes, it's been over a year. Wow. And she hadn't noticed. So my wife, who's a film editor, uh, is her, uh, you know, she's a documentary filmmaker and film editor, uh, hypercritical on, on color and, likes the the warm tones you can get the nice warm tones in light uh from led you can get it like your the, the app on your phone you could probably dial up the color that's that's best suited for your mood at the moment uh all of those things are possible with led that are not possible in other ways um once i did that change to half of my house uh i i reduced my electric bill by about 25 bucks a month wow all right yeah, so and, it's, and we don't use those lights that often. So. Right. So it seems like even the most uh, ardent romantic of the old light is uh, the light style is being converted over to the new LED philosophy. Yeah, and there's there's some really beautiful designs out there, even in the screw and replacement. And I used to I used to complain about screw and replacements. I I used to tell people that a screw and replacement, uh, taking an LED and putting it into a fixture that wasn't designed for LED was like taking a formula one race car engine and putting it in a yugo you're going to get better performance out of that yugo but you're not going to be happy right Right. that that used to be the so that was my my philosophy you know about you know seven eight years ago but the 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 technology of led has improved and it's it's gotten better to the point where uh, my wife went out and bought some decorative screw and replacement uh, LEDs for the chandelier above our dining room table. Um, you know, wow. she, that, that was the, that was the last, the, the last holdout in my house was that chandelier. Cause she liked the way you, you dim the light down and you get that warm tone. Well, she found a, she found an LED replacement that she was happy with. So, so I've recently, you know, in a lot of cities, they have those um, arcades, you know, you can pay $10 and it's free arcade games everywhere. And the and and I've heard, unfortunately, a lot of their old arcade games, they can't fix because they no longer make no longer make cathode ray tubes. So, I mean, theoretically, though, you could replace those games now with LEDs and they could mimic those same colors created by cathode ray tubes, right? They, they could. That's basically there's a... Um I think Adobe, uh, for their editing series, makes some plug-in filters so that you can put a, so you can shoot like, you know, high resolution, you know, 4K image with, you know, really top of the line camera and then degrade it down to give it that look like you're seeing it through a a cathode ray tube, even though you might be looking at it on a $10,000 LED backlit monitor. And so there, there are filters you can apply to, to make that, that look and feel, um, the old, uh, um, you, you've seen the sweeping scanner uh, for a radar system that, that they, you know, the old green screen with the, the line that would go around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's even ways to, to mimic that in today's technology, even though they, uh, you know, the FAA doesn't use that kind of stuff anymore, but um, you can still mimic it. 
today if you if you really wanted to to get that look and feel. So uh, yeah, the arcade game can can be upgraded uh, and still have that same sort of uh, you know 1980s Donkey Kong look. <laughs> well, that's good for those purists out there who are bemoaning that uh, that fact. Well, good. Um, well, I guess let's let's yeah. So why don't you leave it? You know, if you have any. Any final recommendations for venue managers who are about to make that switch? You know, anything they should keep in mind before or in their analysis of, of if they should switch over to LEDs? Yeah, the the thing that most people find that I find reluctant to to train you know change over is change. They they're afraid of the change. So keep in mind that the change will happen with or without you because it just makes economic sense. Right there, it's even if you get like really expensive high-end uh, LED fixtures, whether it's for your your bathrooms or walkways or or the field of play, right? Any of those areas, um, you're gonna get better performance. You're gonna get better color. You're gonna get lower maintenance costs and more importantly, lower electric bills. Right, so all of those things is a benefit. There is absolutely no reason for to, to not transition to LED. There you go. Well, Jim, thank you so much for the interesting and, and great conversation. I uh, really appreciate you being an ally member and sharing your expertise. Any uh, final thoughts for the audience? Uh, no, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to, to be on the podcast, and um, you know, hope. Anybody who's got a question is you know, more than welcome to, to shoot me an email, uh, and and I'm I'm happy to answer technical questions all day long. Um, it's it's kind of my favorite thing is to help educate people on how better they can make their lighting situation. And I've been lighting things for so many decades that I kind of think of it as second nature. Uh, and so the questions that come in uh, are are fun for me because I think of it as educating the public. So uh, happy to help in any way that I can. Well, excellent. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see your audience next time. Thanks.